Health and Happiness Strategy with Michelle Zellner, Keys to Be a Better Being. Dive into the world of wellness with Michelle Zellner, a health and happiness strategist. In this interview, she shares her personal journey and insights from her book, The You Revolution, which details her philosophy, teachings, and life lessons on being a healthy, happy human. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be, but we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Let me share with you a little bit about the guests that we have here today. Be a better being. That is the mission for Better Beings founder, Michelle Zellner. For over 25 years, her educational background and professional experiences have enabled her to counsel and guide on various topics, including exercise, nutrition, weight loss, stress management, sleep prevention, preventing, and management, managing excuse me, chronic disease, work-life balance, and mindfulness. She knows an awful lot. Additionally, her wellness journey has equipped Michelle with knowledge and perspective, influencing thousands of people to enhance their physical and mental well-being. As an author, speaker, corporate wellness trainer, and coach, motivating and inspiring people to take charge of their health drives her passion for helping every person become a better human being. I'm so pleased to welcome to the stage today, Ms. Michelle Zellner. Welcome. Well, April, thank you. It is such a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you so much for being here. Michelle, it, it is exciting to have you here today. You have a wealth of knowledge, as said in the description. My goodness, your biography is packed full. So I'm excited to jump into that with you today. Let's start by sharing with the audience a little bit more about you. I mean, where shall I begin? Um, the, the, the quick sketch, I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin. 
um, at the age of eight, went uh, on a vacation to Hawaii and felt like I was home. And so my whole childhood, I, I knew I was going to live my life in Hawaii and finally go meet my soul. I got the opportunity to do that in college. So I went to the University of Hawaii uh, in Manoa and got my undergraduate degrees in psychology and nutrition. My plan was to go and be a sports psychologist. I quickly learned that that required a PhD in psychology and then you kind of specialize I got my master's in kinesiology. That was that was enough schooling for me. Uh, while I was there, I worked at a gym at the front desk and personal training sort of fell into my lap. And I know for a lot of people, you might not know that way back then, personal training wasn't a thing. It was literally something that the rich people, the Hollywood stars, right? The celebrities, that that's who had a personal trainer. So kind of the joke in my family, when I told my family what I was going to do, I'm going to be a personal trainer. My mom said, well, honey, if after a few months you have to get a real job, that's okay. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and that's coming from the entrepreneur. That My mom is the entrepreneur. But such a foreign concept back then that somebody is going to pay you to make them exercise. 26 years later, uh, I, <laughs> very little bit of personal training, but really my 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 wellness has evolved. My business has evolved. Mm -hmm. I've evolved, you know, as you kind of grow and develop and uh, the it, the environment, the industry, everything kind of takes you in new directions. My professional yeah. career has definitely been very, very unplanned and organic. Uh, and yet I don't think I could have scripted it any better. Oh, well, that's a cool thing to hear for sure. And Michelle, I, what I hear is things that I can really relate to as well. When we go back to the journey of wanting to do something and realizing that it's going to take so many years and, and then you kind of shift gears a little bit. It's like, well, maybe I can go in this field and still get a little bit of a taste of that and move forward. And, and like you said, you couldn't have scripted it any better than that. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yes. When we talk about being able to, to improve other people in their physical agility and coach others in that it, it wasn't so much of a thing. And now it's definitely a thing. And, and everybody really is interested in maybe being coached along, or they have at least an idea of the importance of that and the importance of, having a partner and somebody to really cheer you on and motivate you and hold you accountable. Accountability is a big key. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, my generation, I turned 51 in a few days. Uh, we didn't, we didn't grow up with these things, right? I, I was a gymnast growing up. So I had a coach, I had a coach. I didn't realize until much later, all the other things other than the gymnastic skills that my coaches were teaching me, um, but all the life lessons that I learned as a gymnast. And then, you know, you start out your professional career, you have these ideas of what you want to do. And you're also on your own journey of trying to figure things out. We didn't have access to all these things, to mindfulness apps and to, uh, you know, a Fitbit that told me how much I was or wasn't moving we had a whole bunch of information that was actually totally wrong that we didn't even know for decades how wrong it was. Mm. So it is a lot of learning. It's a lot of 
being willing and open to learn. It's a lot of self-discovery. It's a lot of having patience with yourself and with the process. And I'll, I'll tell you, when I started this all out when I was 25, 26 in my career, I didn't have patience with the process. No, nobody at that age. You think you know everything and you think you know exactly what you're going to do, how you're going to do it. And then you learn life lessons along the way if you choose to learn them. And mm -hmm. then maybe you grow and develop and evolve from those life lessons. And then you interact with other people and you realize, wow, they have similar struggles. They might look different, but they're actually sort of the same. And maybe I can share some of the things that I went through to help see if it might help them go through their thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think whether it's a professional journey, a personal journey, um, it is all about that support, the accountability, the willingness to open, be open and the willingness to receive. Uh, and all of those things are, are certainly different based on who we are and what we've been exposed to, but they're all things that actually are necessary for success. Yeah, you're 100%. There's so many key things you said out of that, Michelle. You said willing to be open if you choose to uh, accept and learn the lessons, right? And then once we grow from that and we gain the wisdom, being able to share that with others. And so all of those things are really cool. And I, I believe that you, like you said, you have to have all of those things really in order to be successful and to, to not only help yourself, but to help others succeed. So you know, it's like this life journey, right? As we age uh, and, and happy birthday, by the way, at 51 years old, as we, as we age and we grow, we gain that wisdom and we move into this different avenue of life where we begin to take what we've learned and, and share it with the world and with others because of those experiences. Yes, some of us do, but a lot of people are not comfortable sharing, right? They're not comfortable being open or, um, you know, maybe they don't have a platform to share. But I can tell you, I teach thousands of wellness trainings, workshops. I do lots of individual coaching. I've been doing this part of my business for at least 10 to 12 years now. And one thing that is almost always shocking to me is when I share a story and somebody comes to me and says, wow, I thought I was the only one. Mm -hmm. We still have this idea that we're so unique. We're the only person who's going through something like that. Uh, you're not that unique. That's the thing. Yes, we are, but we really aren't. We're all <laughs> humans just trying to figure out how to do life in the modern world, which we're not taught how to do. And we all have different experiences, things we were or weren't exposed to, the type of support we did or didn't have. We all have our innate personal, uh, personality characteristics and, and traits as well that are going to play a role in, in all of these things. And yet I think when anybody can just understand that there is someone who's either gone through it, is going through it, or will go through it. Might not look exactly the way yours looks, but it's going to be very similar. Maybe that gives you the courage to open up and speak up, which will then give somebody else the courage to open up and speak up. Because if we are all shut in, then we all just think we're doing this on our own by ourselves. And yet that is almost never the case. 
Mm. I love that you bring this up, Michelle, because, and this definitely, I believe, is going into your book, The You Revolution. And so I'm excited to, to dive a little deeper into that and the concept of, yes, you're unique and not so unique because we all share the same fears. We all have that a part of us. And when we start sharing our stories is really when it's it's making the biggest impact with others for not only our own personal growth, but others, because that's really when we can say, me too, when we start to share. I, I love talking about that. And, and really, you know, when, when we talk about people who have stepped on stages and you have stepped on many where, where, where you speak in front of a large audience, that's one of the, the strongest human fears that there is that we have out there. And yet, once you step into that fear, the the changes that it is created, the transformation is so impactful. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because people will say, gosh, I could never do what you do. I'm so afraid to speak in public. I don't know that I've ever had that fear to speak in public because whenever I speak, it's because I know what I'm talking about. I'm very comfortable with what I'm talking about. It doesn't look pretty all the time. Um, I'm not saying I know everything about everything. I'm not going to get up and speak on my sister's topic on astrophysics. That would be terrifying to me because I know nothing about astrophysics. But I can speak about my own experiences and how they impacted me and the things that I've learned about how a human being operates, knowing that the other 400 human beings in that room operate in very similar ways. And there's going to be something that connects me to every one of those people. Um, and so recognizing what your challenges are, recognizing that there is always an, uh, a strategy to overcome that challenge, and then maybe you've worked and have done it, sharing what that journey was like and what the outcome of overcoming why doing all that hard work was really, really worth it. Even though it's hard, it ends up being really worth it because now life is a little better, a little easier, a little more enjoyable. Yeah, Michelle, let's talk a little bit about the the what you just said about connecting with somebody out there in the audience and and knowing that we're all connected in in some capacity. Can can you share a little bit more about that concept? Yeah, I think just on a human level, right, we're all made up of the same things, the same bones, the same tissues, the same chemicals, the same organs. We all have a human that operates us. So I'm Michelle. Michelle's human's job is to make sure that Michelle survives. That's it. It doesn't care if Michelle is happy, if she has joy, if she's thriving, if she finds passion in her purpose, if she even has a purpose. My human's job is to make sure I survive. And anytime my human perceives that Michelle is in danger, it's going to do whatever it needs to, number one, alert her to the danger, and number two, help her fight, flee, or defend herself from it. And that is what we all share. We are all designed for survival. So every human is operating that person, and it's going to operate in a way that's going to make sure you survive. Except most of us don't need to be living in that kind of space anymore where we just are in survival mode. We haven't yet taught our human to catch up to modern times. 
So when we go through this journey, I, the way I look at it is I want to get to know me. I want to do a journey of self-discovery. Why does my human think that? Why does it feel that way? Why does it react that way? Why does it have that fear? Why is it so impulsive in this situation? Why does it put up a wall for that? Is that wall protecting me or is it preventing me from doing something? I want to be curious about my human. And if I recognize that the things it's doing, saying, thinking, feeling are not helpful for Michelle, then Michelle gets to do the hard work of retraining her human to catch it up. And, and so while we're all connected because we're all the same in that way, we are all unique because we have different things that we've experienced in life. We have different beliefs, different values, different priorities. We have a different degree of desire to go on that journey of self-discovery. And so everybody goes you know, through it at their own pace in their own way. Some might hit a wall very early and totally stop. Some might not start until really, really late and then just steamroll ahead. And yet it really is up to each individual to take that time to learn about themselves, which will then, I think, really help you learn about other people as well. Uh, I, I really love your perspective and the way that you describe that and how it's it's almost this robotic, right? Where where you're right, we are in this survival mode, so to speak, and then retraining that. The the body is a robot that is controlled by the mind, right? And so I, I love to tell my clients that with hypnotherapy because that's exactly what it is. And so, Michelle, when what I mean, you created this awesome book, which I'm excited to get my hands on, and I feel awful that I haven't yet, but I'm excited to do it because even the title alone is is really empowering because it, it helps coach us into that and retraining ourselves into something that's greater to be a better human being, right? And so I, I want to talk a little bit about that, but what did you, where did you first stem the idea of this and what situations in your life really were profound for you to want to start going in this direction to become a better being? So the name of my company, Better Beings, came 26 years ago as a personal trainer. I was uh, an independent contractor. And when I thought about really what I'm doing, it's yes, it's better bodies, but a lot of it was so much conversation and the psychology of it. So better minds, better bodies, better minds, better beings, right? The, it takes everything. And as I evolved through my career and started doing some corporate wellness training, I had a, a contact come to me and ask if I would create a robust lifestyle, personal growth and development enhancement program, 10 to 12 weeks long for their client, which at the time was the Denver Public School employees. So I reflected on all the things it takes to be a healthy, happy human. And boy, does it take a lot. I thought about the challenges that I had up until that time. So this was back in 2014 when I created the U Revolution program. We are now nearly 10 years post that. Trust me, there has been a lot of growth in that 10 years. But at that time, I thought about the challenges that I had, some of the solutions I came up with to overcome those challenges, 
And I just create a curriculum that literally starts head to toe, inside and out. I think about the things that I never learned that I know nobody ever learned because they don't teach us. I think about the things that I was taught that were totally wrong, that I had to unlearn and then learn myself and, you know, kind of forge that path for others. And so it it really was an amazing opportunity to create a program, but also to dig a little deeper and really ponder my own journey. Because until then, I don't really think I did. I didn't look at it in that way. Mm. And so... You know, like I said, it, it covers everything from know your numbers, understanding hormones, uh, sleep, social connections, time management, stress, nutrition, exercise, attitude, mindset, because this thing is one whole being and everything impacts everything. And you can't focus on one thing and neglect all the others and think we're going to be okay. And I found that that is what a lot of programs did. Right? We're just going to focus on nutrition, focus mm-hmm. on exercise, focus on mindfulness. Well, mm-hmm. they're all connected. So you can't do one without having the foundation of others. Yeah, you're, you're correct. And I always say that wellness is under this massive umbrella. And you, you have all of these different buckets, like you're describing. And you're, you're correct. It's, we, we are a complex entity, right? And we have all of these things that we need to be concentrating on a little bit here and there and a little bit here and there because it's all connected. So I'm curious, Michelle, you've done an extensive amount of research and congratulations again on, you said 10 years since you you began um, this. So it's it's incredible that it is a journey and it does evolve into something else over and over and over. So through that, what are some of the things that you have found, if any, like, does it make sense to concentrate on one bucket more than the other or first things first, or is it the chicken and the egg? What has it been like for you? Well, I think it really depends on where you happen to be in your journey, right? So when someone says, well, what should I focus on first? I don't know that without knowing a whole bunch more of you. And so for me, I'll give you just the quick backstory. Being a gymnast growing up was great, but it definitely contributed to my very unhealthy relationship with food. And so after I quit gymnastics, I kind of went on my, I can do whatever I want tour, which meant I can eat whatever I want and proceeded to gain about 55 pounds in a year and a half. Uh, Cause I, and when I go, I go big. Uh, And so, of course, this is great because I can do whatever I want, but every time I'm over consuming and binging and seeing the scale go up and up and up, I'm just disgusted and like, what is wrong with you? And oh my gosh, don't worry. It's a phase. You'll get yourself out of it. You just need to like be free. Well, at some point you have to have a sit down conversation with yourself. and, And I did. So here I get to go off to college in Hawaii, live my best life except I'm not because I'm not my best me. And now I'm not comfortable with yourself either. Oh, I I think that's huge. Like how, how could you possibly live your best life? And I'm saying this because I can relate fully. (laughs) And I love that you're sharing this. Thank you so much for sharing it and being vulnerable because, you know, gaining 55 pounds is, is not a small amount. And then you're so uncomfortable with yourself and you can't, fully live because you're not comfortable in your own skin. 
and, and just moving throughout your day. And it's so, yeah, being on a beach in Hawaii, you want to be able to feel fun and free and comfortable. So I had to chime in there. Thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it is something that, you know, as people go through phases or challenges or their difficulties, you know, we start to just internalize everything. And, and yet there's also this external chatter. So I wasn't just uncomfortable with myself. I was uncomfortable with all the other chatter because you go from this gymnast to this unrecognizable human. Mm. And then people seem to have to tell you that as if I don't, as if I'm not aware, right? Mm. Um, so there were a lot of interactions with people in my life in that span of time, which were not pleasant, not kind, definitely uh, led to some very damaged relationships. Um, the last words I spoke to my grandfather were words I'm not going to say on your show. And it's because I just had too much from him about his opinion, mm -hmm. his judgment, what I should and shouldn't be doing. And I was just done with it. Um, so, so, so that also chips away at your confidence and your belief in who you are and what you can do. And, and mm -hmm. all of that becomes this, gigantic mountain or hole, a mountain to climb, mm -hmm. hole to dig out of. Yeah. And you, you kind of don't know where to start. Yeah. Well, isn't it true that when, when we don't feel fully ourselves or we're upset over things, or like you talked about the chatter that's going on in our heads, that we project that out into the world to others. And as you mentioned, the last words I said to my grandfather were not pleasant, so unpleasant that I'm not even going to say it here. But my point is, is that we really, it, it affects us in so many different ways. And this is vicious cycle of um, because I'm not well in this area or these areas of my, my overall well-being it really projects and continues on in a negative way and profound way to the people and environment around me. Absolutely. And then, and then you get to go into a different environment and go live your best life and you're trying to fit in and you want to be the fun girl and the happy girl. And so you do things to show everyone that you're fun and happy, except inside you're not at all. Right. And at some point, I decided to have a very serious conversation with myself. I, I didn't have to. I could have kept going the way I was going. Um, but I also recognized that if I wanted a different outcome, I had to do things differently. And so when I think about the keys to be a better being, it is take ownership. That is a huge mm -hmm. key. Take ownership of how you got to where you are. Take ownership of what you're going to do to get to a different place, because the only one that can make changes is you. And that could be a really hard fact because we want to blame, right? It's easy. Well, I can't help it. You know, my coach or my mom or this teammate or this boy or somebody said this or did this to me. And that's why. No, right. I mean, yes, all of that happened, but I'm still responsible for me. And when I take ownership of recognizing where I am, now I can take ownership of what am I going to do differently? How am I going to change it? Yeah. Part of the challenge I now faced at this time was, okay, this is back in the early 90s. So what do you do? You go on a diet. So now mm -hmm. I start the diet roller coaster. And back then it was fat as the devil. 
if you eat fat, you'll get fat, you'll have a heart attack and you'll die. <laughs> I, I mean, literally, that was the message. I was already way fatter than I ever imagined I would be. So I sure didn't want to get any bigger. So I'm not going to eat fat, right? So good job me. I ate a plain bagel, fat-free yogurt, and a banana. Good job, Michelle. No fat. You're so good. And then all I wanted was cookies. And then I thought, what's wrong with you? You have no willpower. Oh my gosh, you're such a loser. You're never going to lose weight. So then why even bother trying? Let me just go eat some ice cream and some cake and go get some pizza and go out and party at the bars. And then we'll eat at 3 a.m. the burgers and fries because that's right. If we knew then what we know now. Oh, and, and you know the 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 makeup and how it affects our body when we eat certain food products it it is quite fascinating the way that food and, and the knowledge of it and the science behind it has evolved right and yet what's scary april is there are still people who believe that fat will make them fat that's why I we're still, here <laughs> that's why we're here michelle i know <laughs> And, and who believe that you just have to eat less and exercise more, right? Mm -hmm. Who believe that there's this magic diet that's going to change your life. Well, it is. It's not going to be a great change. I can promise you that. And mm -hmm. so, you know, when I go down this diet road and I'm doing all the things they say to do, but clearly it's not working. Well, then I'm an intelligent girl and I was a gymnast and I still exercised and I, you know, I thought I knew how to eat healthy and clearly something wasn't right. So I decided to try to figure this out myself and try to go back to basics and, and understand how a human body wants to be fueled. And that's actually where I came up with my phrase, PFF is your BFF. And that's why I wrote a book, my little nutrition handbook, the PFF is your BFF handbook. Because a human body wants to have its blood sugar steady. And you do that by eating protein, fat, and fiber. That's how you make steady blood sugar. And that is the key to your life is steady blood sugar. Okay. So PFF is protein, fat, and fiber. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Can yeah, you give us a, a little example of, of like what you eat on a daily basis that really helps you maintain <laughs> this well-balanced? Oh boy. That is such a funny question and conversation. Cause I get that all the time. And, um, I have a podcast, my podcast co-host Sasha came and visited me a few months ago and she's like, I had no concept of how much you actually eat until I'm here witnessing it. <laughs> it's just, it's real food. So, I mean, when I tell people what I eat uh, and I mean, I'm not small, I'm five, six, 150 pounds, you know, roughly wear a size six. I have a lot of muscle. So I need to fuel differently than other people do. But I've also learned how I need to fuel myself. We, April, we could talk for hours about the food conversation because there are so many layers to it. But, you know, it's it's basically a lot of real food, very little fake food, minimal processed foods. I have it occasionally. I certainly had it mm -hmm. at Thanksgiving. I'll probably have it on my birthday, but it's not a constant. It's, it's right. relatively rare. So it's lots of vegetables, high quality protein. I eat everything. So one of the couple of the things I get when I tell people I have a wellness business, oh, you must be a vegetarian. No, actually not. Wow. At all. Nope. Yeah. Or they'll say, oh, you you probably do yoga or you met. No, nope, don't do yoga. I don't meditate. No, nope, I don't do any of those things. I live a real life that I know works for me. 
And when it comes to food, I eat animal products, plant products. They're real. If I can go outside and find it, I know it has raw materials that my human knows what to do with. And one of the things that we get into is this all or nothing mode, right? Mm -hmm. We eat too much of some things and not nearly enough or none of other things. And I think one of the reasons we do that is because we're never actually taught how to fuel a human. So I took Michelle out of the equation and I wanted to learn what a human needs. And every single human walking this planet needs the same things because Mm -hmm. we're all human. We all need a wide variety of sources of plants because those plants give us vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, phytochemicals, uh, fiber. That's where you get your fiber from. And those plants and foods that come from plants are called carbohydrates. So I know a lot of people think carbs are the devil. No, they're not. You need to eat carbs. We all need a wide variety of foods that have protein because from those foods, we're getting the amino acids. And amino acids link up in our bodies to form a whole bunch of different types of chemicals that carry out a whole bunch of different functions. We all need a wide variety of foods that give us fat because they give us different fatty acids. And our body needs all of those different fatty acids in order to carry out all the functions that those various fatty acids carry out. And we need them in an appropriate ratio to each other. So if I'm over consuming certain things, even though they're good for me, that probably means I'm under consuming other things that my body needs. And that means my body's not going to be able to function properly. So we're going to have to kind of make do. We'll, you know, operate at a subpar level over here. We have way too much stuff of this. So we'll have to work hard to get rid of it. And this is why we don't maybe see or feel the results that we think we should. So for me personally, it's, you know, like I said, it's lots of vegetables, it's high quality proteins, it's uh, a little bit of fruit, a little bit of whole grain, lots of seeds and nuts, and they just come in all different forms and combinations. It just depends what I what I feel like eating that day. Um, But, you know, the way I kind of explain is nutrition is like a foreign language. You have to learn the basics first. You have to learn the letters. You have to learn how those letters go into words and then you have to practice the words and they have to put mm-hmm. the words in their sentence and then you have to go and practice those sentences and then you get corrected by somebody because you used it in the wrong context or yeah that's not the right word for that and you go on this journey with yourself when it comes to food and nutrition not looking for this magical diet but rather embracing that this is going to be a process to really create a lifestyle pattern of eating that nourishes me physically, nourishes me mentally and emotionally, connects me to my culture, lets me have a shared celebration, and gives me outcomes that I want. Mm, I love the shared celebration piece, you know, because food really does connect us together. And and it's such a beautiful thing. And I, I would add too, if I may, Michelle, but when we start eating uh, more whole foods and and things that really help fuel this human body. It is so much more fun. And tell me if you if you agree with that. But like, real foods are colorful and they're exciting. And you know, it it, there, it there's just so much more to offer, and you can really make it fun. And if you picture like 
a daily salad bowl or something where you're getting a lot of those beautiful greens and veggies. You can you can pick so many varieties that you can put into that along with the nuts that it gives you for that crunch, you know, and there's, there's a lot of different ways you can play around with it. And I think that once you start getting used to that and, but make it fun because it is. Well, I totally agree. I think our attitude about food is one that most of us need an adjustment on. Uh, I know I certainly did, right? We reward ourselves with poison. Mm -hmm. Granted, it tastes delicious. And we feel like it's punishment to eat all those things that you just shared, right? Like healthy food is punishment. And I think, wow, how backwards is that? It's so backwards. And we have this idea that healthy food is boring and it doesn't taste good and it it costs too much. I don't know if you've gone through the drive-thru lately. Right. Holy cow. I'm sorry, I can guarantee I can get a lot higher quality food at a grocery store yeah. for less money than what you just paid on your fast food meal. 100%. I, Leah, let's, let's just sit on that for a minute, Michelle, because that is so, so true. And I think that definitely it's that shifting the perspective and the understanding of exactly that, that, that it, the opposite is in fact true. And, and we, we don't grow up with that and society doesn't shape us to, to have that understanding of it. And it certainly has, has shifted if it ever was that way at some point. And, you know, it's funny because I hear that often, and I'm sure you hear that very, very often as well, where I can't afford to be healthy and eat healthy. And, and it couldn't be further from the truth when you really start to price compare. And maybe it starts to get more costly when you're purchasing like the, the products where it still is processed, so to speak, but it says that it's healthier or it says it's keto or it's organic or what have you. But you just have to, to learn and shop smartly. And I like to say that that is really voting with your dollar as well. Well, and a couple of things I remind people is you pay now or pay later. So you can go cheap on what you put in your body. There's a good chance you are going to be paying for that later, whether it's in lack of energy, it's in not feeling good physically, it's in not feeling good, maybe mentally and emotionally. Maybe it's in chronic disease. And now we have all the costs associated with that you're going to pay one way or another. So I look at it as an investment. I'm going to invest in putting high quality fuel into my body. Um, it, it definitely is, is a, it's a trade-off though, right? Because you're either going to spend time or spend money. That's mm-hmm. the thing. These quick, convenient things that save you time Again, they're not cheap either, and they cost you in so many other ways. Mm -hmm. So maybe I invest that time and energy on the front end to buy real food and prepare it so that I can save time, money, energy, stress, poor choices on the back end. But that is a whole shift of mindset, and it's a shift of lifestyle. It's a shift of priorities. Um, And and that is something that is going to be different for everybody because everybody's got real life to live. And if you're working two jobs and you have three kids and you're trying to do it all yourself, yeah, that's really hard. There's no doubt about it. I I can't wave the magic wand and make that not be hard. And so you do the best you can in the real life that you live. But I am almost willing to guarantee 
if you invest that time and energy on the front end to really think about how can this work in my life? And I always encourage people to start by making the list of real foods that you like, because if you like them, you'll eat them. And make that list as big as possible. Get all the variety in there. If you like nuts, lift, list every single kind of nut. If you like mm-hmm. you know, peppers, every kind of pepper. Maybe you don't even know foods you like because you haven't tasted them. So you have to be willing to be open-minded and be willing to try some things. And again, it's a process, but I guarantee the answer is there. You just have to be willing to try to solve the puzzle. If you're not willing to try to solve the puzzle, you're never going to solve the puzzle. Ah, well, and, you know, going back to your story and the beginnings where you, you gained a lot of weight and you're, you have that acceptance and the knowledge and the understanding that, okay, this is where I'm at. And you, you're holding yourself accountable to, in order to take the next step, what, what were some of the other things that you started to change? I know that it was really learning about food and educating yourself on what the body needs and, and that, that is really going to fuel it. What is great for us to be eating? But what was next after that too? What was another bucket that you started going into on your journey? Well, again, it's, it's very much related to food. I, I wanted to figure out why I turned to food. Mm. to make myself feel better, right? There's an attachment. So for a lot of people, it could be anything. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be retail therapy. It could be, you know, zoning out on social media. For me, it was food because that was the forbidden thing. I wasn't allowed to have those things, right? And so now I can have it. And so now I turn to it whenever I feel like I need to be comforted or I'm angry and this, I deserve this food, right? Whatever the attitude is. So I definitely explored my emotions and and my feelings and my relationship with food um, and came to some conclusions. Uh, you know, a lot of it was rooted in messaging. Um, a lot of it was rooted in the belief that um, I wasn't good enough. Um, and that wasn't anybody putting that belief in me. That was me putting that belief in myself based on what I was comparing myself to. And again, when you're eight or 10 or 12, I don't know that you know you're doing that. Maybe we do now because we're talking about it now. We didn't talk about that back then. Um, There was some belief uh, from teachers, right? Because I have an older sister who is an astrophysicist, super, super smart. Well, growing up in school, I was not Michelle. I was Nicole's Mm. sister. Right. And as Nicole's sister, well, you must be just like Nicole. You must be as smart as Nicole. And of course, I couldn't admit that I wasn't. So I just be quiet. (laughs) And then I pretend that I am until you get an F on an algebra test because you don't understand X. Mm. And then everyone thinks, oh, well, you just didn't try hard enough. You can't do gymnastics and study. So we're going to pull you out of gymnastics. Well, the threat of that made me confess, no, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Well, honey, why didn't you ever tell me that? Because I was afraid to tell you that because the expectation is that I'm as smart as Nicole, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's those little things you go through through. And now I know nobody meant anything bad. I don't, I know they didn't intentionally mean harm to me by saying that. And yet that's the thing that imprints. And that's what then begins to start to start 
to start to shape your beliefs and your beliefs become your actions and your actions become your results. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, goodness. All of that, the emotional pieces to us that really, that's why we do the things that we do. And that's why we show up and not feeling like we're good enough for one reason or another. And it oftentimes stems from that early childhood experiences. It definitely does. And I've said this in the past, I wish I could go back and like hover over my life as I was making some pivotal choices. And I will say the, because it's hard to go back and remember where you were and how you were feeling at that time. But one of the major pivotal, and it's probably not, well, the first one was actually quitting gymnastics without telling anybody. That was probably my very first big girl decision that I made all on my own as a 17 year old. Um, Because I realized that I wasn't going to do it in college. I was going off to Hawaii, which is where I always wanted to be. And I really wanted to give it up while I still had positive thoughts about it because it did give me so many benefits. So that was the first probably big girl decision I made on my own. The second one was um, ending a relationship um, rather than, again, kind of deciding to stay in something because it's easy, it's familiar, because it's what I thought I wanted. So when I was 25, yeah, after grad school, got engaged, we'd been long distance, moved to Texas to go start our life together, planning our wedding for like February of the next year. And I got a phone call from a girl telling me that she and my fiance's child would be turning one next month. And she just thought I should know that before I married him. Whoa. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, so, that's some heavy, interesting news, right? right? So here you are at 25, thinking you have your whole life figured out, your whole life in front of you. I got my career, this personal training thing. Wow, this is amazing. I got my husband to be like, he's amazing. We have a great mm-hmm. life and it's going to just get better from here. Right. <laughs> and now what? And so it took a week before I made the phone call to my parents because I knew once I called them, there was no going back. Mm-hmm. That is not a standard in our family. And it, and I, I do give my parents so much credit for our upbringing. They set us up with expectations. And part of those expectations are what you deserve yeah. and what, you know, what, what value you have. And this isn't something that goes on in our family. You don't accept that. That's not acceptable. And so while it was a really hard phone call to make, I knew once I made it, that was like the the, the decision was made and it was hard. I mean, it's so much easier yeah. to not make our decisions, right? That's yeah. That's the reality. And yet it was also incredibly critical and important Because as I go back and think, well, you know, a lot of people stay, a lot of people work it out. A lot of people would, you know, he'll change, he'll do all these things. It'll never happen again, right? You love each other. Okay, great. Let's get Mm. married. And then, you know, who knows what, right? Now we have three kids and now we're horrible and we're getting divorced, right? So yeah, it gets gets a lot more difficult the longer. Right. 
Bravo for you, Michelle, for making that decision because it's not easy to make that decision. It, it you know, especially in the beginning, and that's the first lie or whatever. You know, it's like, well, it was a mistake or whatever excuse you give yourself, and they give it. It can have a tendency to really just create larger and larger issues down the road. And so I think, again, bravo for you for even at the young age of 25, because that is young. What is it now that they say our brains are fully developed? It's around that age, 25, 26, right? And so it, there's something to be said about that of and that it is a piece of you that does um, respect yourself, to make the decisions that, uh, and shows your value. So. Yeah. And at the same time, there's a lot of self doubt. There's a lot of questioning. What did I do wrong? Why wasn't I good enough? Why did you do this to me? How could you do this? Right. There's a lot of that. Like I take guilt and blame and, and then of course the anger, right? The anger, you ruined our life. You right. So Mm. I'm not, I, I, that was a a lot of learning, a lot of healing. And at some point we get to forgiveness. And then at some point you look back and you say, wow, yeah, that, you know, in hindsight that needed to happen. So thank you. Thank you to that girl who called me because had she not, who knows what my life would have been like. Right. Right. So it is one of those probably bigger, more powerful life lessons that I had the good fortune to learn at a very young age that set me up for future of how to go through hard things. And I I do think that if you haven't gone through really hard things, uh, number one, you don't know that you can do it. Number two, you don't have the skills that you develop through those hard things to help you go through life again. So you go through all the phases that you need to go through And hopefully at some point you come to the other side of gratitude of having that experience. Uh, And and I write about all of this in my book. So I'll just give the quick fast forward 10 years later where I'm living a great single life for all these years. You know, I figure I'll probably meet somebody, get married and go on and have a life. Well, it didn't happen until I was 35. And oh my gosh, I met this guy and this is it. And this is this is why all, you know, this waiting has happened and it's amazing. And then it wasn't. And I'll, I'll let you read in the book what all of that is, because I wouldn't want to get into too many details because we'll take forever here. Um, and yet <laughs> going through all of that, even a, a, I learned that this first experience was like JV League compared to this one. But had I not gone through JV League, I don't know what I would have done during this one. I don't know that I would have healed and going on that forgiveness journey as quickly as I did had I not had that JV League experience first. So to think that you're never going to have something yucky happen to you is delusional. I'm just going to say it. Life is full of difficult things. Life is full of hard choices. Life is full of distractions and disruptions. Um, it's what you do in the face of those things and how you choose to come out of it that is totally up to you. And it's that that is going to shape who you end up being. So a big leap forward in my own journey um, 
happened after this second relationship. And it, it, the lesson was bigger because the situation was bigger. Yeah. But I will say I chose to learn the lesson, right? And that's the thing is I look back at it now and for many years with gratitude that I went through that because it has allowed me to share with a lot of people um, different things about mental health and about perspe- perspective and perception of humans, yeah. relationships. And it's helped me transition in and out of things sooner rather than later when I recognize what the right way to go was. Yeah. Well, Michelle, when we, we have to have those lessons to kind of understand a little bit of each of those buckets, right? And understanding uh, through those experiences. And I think it's beautiful because you are showing up now in the world where you're able to coach others, teach others, shine the light and uh, inspire other people to, to live their best lives because of those experiences. And so I think that's really incredible. I wanted to bring in to the stage some of the photographs that you gave. So let's talk about the why, the reasons, and all to that. So Michelle, let's talk about these beautiful human beings that are part of your life. You know, my dad likes to say we don't have a family tree. We have a family stump. Um, we're a very small family. My mom grew up in the Netherlands. My dad grew up in upstate New York on a chicken farm when he was 17, decided he wanted something different, joined the Air Force, was stationed in the Netherlands, which is where he met my mom. Um, they, you know, started their life together at a very young age, even kind of back then it was young twenties, came back to the States, of course, to root themselves uh, my sister, that's Nicole. She's two years older. And, you know, we're very, very different. I mean, very different. And there were a lot of years where it was not pleasant. Um, and I think that's just because we were so different and we were just trying to figure out how to be ourselves. And at some point, it it was going to either, we were either going to go like this or we were going to go like this. And again, personal responsibility and ownership and doing some really hard things. We both came to the realization that we wanted to go like this. So uh, through a lot of work and communication, um, I would I would pick her as a friend these days. I, I can tell you 15 years ago, I would never have said that. I would choose her as a friend. And so really, I know I get a little emotional with that. Um so, yeah, I mean, this is us. My dad has some family and we're, you know, we're a little bit close to them emotionally. They live in upstate New York, so we don't get to see each other very often. But this is it. Um, you know, my my life turned out where I'm not married. I don't have kids. My sister's life turned out that way as well. Neither of those were intentional, just the way it happened. Wow. And we're all very grateful for the love uh, and the and the family that we have. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's very tight knit that way. Yes. That's my dad. Dad. Yeah. I mean, they're literally the best role models I've had in, in every facet of life. I, um, I just can't even tell you how grateful I am because growing up, I thought everybody had parents like me. I didn't know that my parents were pretty unique and they're even more unique. I mean, they just hit 56 years of marriage, I believe. 
Uh, and they actually um, love each other, like actually still enjoy each other. <laughs> you know, uh, my sister and I love to travel. She is, uh, she travels the world for lots of amazing uh, research that she does. And every now and then when the opportunity arises, she invites me along. So we went to the Galapagos this past summer. So that's, uh, that's at a oh. beach in the Galapagos. Yeah. How fun is that to, to travel all over for research and so fun. Yeah. This is that, you know, love each other. Yeah. And I, it, I, I have a hundred pictures similar to this because that's just who they are. Uh, this, they came out a few years ago to steamboat and we were on a bike ride and they just took a little rest. This is at actually one of our favorite beaches in Hawaii. So as a family, we've been going to Hawaii since I was eight and uh, my parents actually lived there two separate times, 10 years apart. And actually just this past March decided to call it good and move back to Wisconsin. So well, that makes uh, a so, lot of sense on why, uh, you know, in your earlier years that you chose to be in Hawaii because you knew what that was like and that you loved it. Yeah. This, uh, uh, this is probably one of my favorite and most special memories I'm ever going to have of my mom. This is actually last year at my birthday. They were living in Hawaii at the time. And uh, we made some art together and I have her piece and my piece hanging in my hallway. And it was just so much fun to create something that I will get to keep forever and ever. That's beautiful. I think that creativity is so important to our overall well-being. Absolutely. Oh, and these little fur balls. Sadly, I'm, I'm down to one. I had a, it's 2023. It was a, li a little different from what I expected. Um, my dear sweet Axel passed away while I was away on an overnight trip. Um, so I have Bodhi left. She's the one in front. She actually is sitting right here on my um, coffee table because anytime I'm in this position, she knows <laughs> she gets fed treats. And so she is now my shadow. She's, she's a, you know, has to do double duty since her sibling is no longer with us on this earth. And so she pulls double duty <laughs> and gets all the attention. Pets yeah. are another, you know, really huge yeah. aspect to, to us. Um, and I don't know if you would agree with that either, but I think you will because yeah. they, they're here for us. I like to say that um, our team for the show is two and a half. That's me, my husband, and our cat is the half, um, primarily because she doesn't have thumbs, so she's not very helpful. But she is, she is the emotional support aspect for our team. So absolutely, these two um, we got them as babies when I was married, and they came with me after the marriage ended. And I tell you, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have them through all of that. But it's also hard to see pets going through mourning and grief and loss. Yeah, they um, do. Yeah. But um, Bodhi and I are, we're figuring out how to be a two critter household. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is, this is one of the books. Yeah. So the U Revolution, that program I created for Denver Public School employees, actually last spring was year 10 of offering that program to that group. And it was the 2017 group, a, a man named uh, Nicholas Simonetti said, you know, Michelle, you really should write this in a book. And I thought, oh, that's a good idea. I don't know why I never thought of it. So that is the U Revolution, the journey of a better being is all the class stuff that I teach with my story 
threaded through it. So um, that's the big book. And then the PFF is your BFF handbook. They would always ask us, can't you just, can't you just make a list? Can't you just give us a list? No, I am teaching you to make your own list and come up with your own PFF combos because you know the food you like, you know the food that you'll eat, you know the food that you can prepare ahead of time and take with you. But after years of them begging, I thought, okay, I will put it in a nice little book, but these are just my ideas. You still have to do your work. But the PFF is your BFF handbook is like a nice little starter cheater's guide to the concept of PFF, how to do it to show you that it really is very, very simple, very simple. I love too the, and I would love to know, Michelle, the choice of all of the colors and, you know, how this is all like kind of meshing together. It's really cool. The artwork, is there a reason behind that? There is. It's my amazing graphic designer, Victoria Wolf. (laughs) I had, I mean, I had a basic concept. So I also used to own a design business. So I have a little bit of design, you know, creativity in my, in my brain. Um, And for the U revolution, I wanted it to be exciting and splashy and fluid. And I feel like, you know, when I gave her those words, like this is sort of what she came up with, we've tweaked it a little bit, but I think because it is a journey, right? Nothing is static. Everything ebbs and flows. We have peaks and valleys. We go in circles. We stand still And that actually Mm. is the journey. And I want people to be excited about their journey, not dread the journey. I think things that are delivered as self-help are kind of delivered as like, I have to read this to be a better human, right? No, you (laughs) get to explore how a human works and and what's going to work for you. So I just, I wanted it to to be very alive and very lively um, because I really think that's, what the journey of life is. Yeah. Oh, that is really cool. I love that I asked that because I I saw that, all those little pieces, and I wanted you to explain it in your own way because I think that is is really beautiful. So thank you so much for sharing. Michelle, it has been awesome to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show. I want to make sure everyone knows where to find you. I have it displayed a few times throughout the show. And for those of you listening in, www.betterbeings.net is where you can find more information about Michelle, the things that she offers, the books, and all of that lively content. Again, that is www.betterbeings.net. Michelle, it's been a pleasure. Is there anything else do you want to share with the audience today? You know, I think I'll just leave with uh, one of my mottos. I have lots of them. You can probably see my word cloud back there. Um, Lots of those are, are things that come out of my mouth very frequently, but probably the one I see the most often and and the one that rings in people's ears is hard now or harder later. Uh, Everything is hard, right? It's hard choices. That is the reality of it. And often when I'm teaching on any topic, somebody will say, yeah, but it's hard. That is correct. It's also hard now or it's harder later. And that is almost always the case. I am very confident that if you choose hard now, not only will you enjoy the journey to later a little more, you'll probably avoid or at the very least minimize harder later. So make the hard choices now, embrace the journey, do it with an open mind and open heart, patience, purpose, 
grace and gratitude, all of those things. And just commit to doing the best you can with what you have. But if you want more, you have to do more. If you want to be better, you have to be better. And when you implement all of those things, I know you're going to reap the benefits that come out from the other side. Michelle, thank you so much for sharing your insight and your wisdom, your stories. They've been incredible. I know that they definitely are impactful to the audience. So thank you so much for being our guest on the Wellness Driven Life Show. And thank you to our audience. Without you, the show wouldn't be possible. So we appreciate you more than you can know. So thank you so much for tuning in. Goodbye for now. And we will see you next time.